0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. The Kingdom of God. This was the message that John the Baptist preached. He came saying, Repent, for the Kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus then preached exactly that same message. Every time we see Jesus preaching, he's talking about the Kingdom of God. His disciples, he sends them out. He says, Preach the Kingdom of God, heal the sick, Raise the dead. Then he sends out 70 more, same message. After he rises from the dead, he talks about the kingdom of God. And then in the book of Acts, Philip and Paul and all of them talk about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nationality and then the end will come. So what is the kingdom of God? And don't you think it's important that we understand this message? If it was John's message, Jesus's message, all the disciples and everyone after that, and it's the message that has to be preached to the whole world, I think we should know what it is. And I said in my first talk about the kingdom of God that I believe we've got all the elements of it, but we may call it the kingdom or the the gospel of grace or the gospel of heaven, or the gospel of the church, or gospel of being good, or we we put different bits of it together. But when you put it under the context of the kingdom of God, it makes sense. And so we're looking at the kingdom of God. And in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God, which we defined last week as God's rule and reign on earth, When, when God is in control, when God is ruling, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here or at hand. And then he healed people. He fed people. He forgave people. He was bringing heaven to earth, but he was shown that there's a fight and a war going on. But in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is hardly ever mentioned and Daniel, the book of Daniel, is pretty much the jewel in the Old Testament speaking about the kingdom of God. So I'd like to read a few scriptures from Daniel to give us context and it will help us understand the kingdom of God. In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of the Babylonian empire, they've taken Daniel and several other Jewish people captive. They've ransacked Jerusalem And the Israelites have been held captive for a period of 70 years. And King Nebuchadnezzar is not a believer in God, but God is working in his life. And he may have become a believer. It looks like he did. But in chapter 2, he has a dream. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but basically, Nebuchadnezzar is this great king, he is a dictator. Uh, he's the ultimate authority, whatever he says goes. He has a dream and he calls all of his wise men and his astrologers and his magicians. And he says, tell me my dream and then tell me what it means. And they scratch their heads. They say, no one can do this. Okay. No one can tell you what your dream was. If you tell us what your dream was, we will then interpret it. And he says, well, then I'm going to kill all the wise men, all the magicians in the whole kingdom. And so he goes about killing them. And when they come to Daniel to kill him, because he was considered one of the wise men of the land, when they come to him, he says, hold on, I, I, I know a God who can, who can do this. And so he goes to the king. The, the Lord has revealed to him, to Daniel, what the dream was and what the interpretation was. And in verse 31, it says, you, O king, We're watching. This is Daniel explaining to the king what the dream was. You were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron and its feet partly iron, partly clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So this is the dream. And Daniel is given it in extreme detail and he tells Nebuchadnezzar. Later on, the king is just so amazed, first of all, that Daniel knew his dream, but then, secondly, that he had the interpretation that he said that Daniel's God is the great God. So now we're going to hear the interpretation. Did you get the picture? There's this huge statue with a head of gold, a chest. Of silver then the middle is bronze the the legs are iron and the feet are iron mixed with clay and then a stone is cut without human hands and it comes and it just bashes on the feet of clay and the whole statue is just ground up into dust and then that stone grows and grows and grows and becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth so what's the interpretation verse 37 you O king Are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. So when we're wanting to understand kings and kingdoms, Nebuchadnezzar was an example of that, a king of kings. He God had given him absolute authority. Whatever he said was the law, and it had to be enforced. Verse 39: But after you shall arise another kingdom, inferior to yours, then another a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. So he's listing the kingdoms. And because we are reading this With hindsight, we know what those kingdoms were. There was Babylon, which was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, then there was Medo Persia, then there was Greece, Alexander the Great, and then there was the Roman Empire. So it was foretelling history. Verse 41 Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. So it's talking about the end of the Roman rule. Uh, Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And in the days of these kings, in the days of the Roman Empire, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms And it shall stand forever. And so we see this idea of God setting up a kingdom uh, to overthrow the other kingdoms. So there were these kings, the the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. Um, Interestingly enough, in other places, in Daniel and Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, he talks about spiritual kings behind the earthly kings. And so in Daniel 10, Daniel is praying and an angel comes to him and says, but the prince of Persia and the kings of Persia resisted me. And then in another place, he says, the the prince or the king of Greece was resisting me. So there are these spiritual angelic forces behind the earthly kings. And so Daniel was given an insight into kings and kingdoms that there are earthly kings and kingdoms. God puts them, gives them the the right to rule. But there are spiritual evil kings and kingdoms even behind those. There are these these earthly kings and these spiritual kings. But Daniel saw that a mountain was going to come, a rock cut without human hands from God himself will come and would destroy those kingdoms. They would eventually be ground up to dust, and that kingdom would grow and rule forever. And that's the kingdom of God. Now, in Daniel 7, there was a vision that Daniel had, which was very similar. He saw four beasts. Uh, He saw a lion, a bear, a leopard, and then some kind of beast which had iron teeth. And they are, again, those four kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And in that vision of seeing those kingdoms that were going to come in verse 9 of Daniel 7, it says, I watched till thrones were put in place. So Daniel has seen these four beasts and their kingdoms, and then he sees a vision of heaven. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. And this is where we see again in Daniel. Daniel saw and he understood kings and kingdoms because he was living under an autocratic king. And God had shown him the kingdoms that were to come. And he showed him the four nations, the lion, uh, the bear, the leopard and the beast with iron teeth. And how this king, the Ancient of Days, installs a king like the Son of Man. And again, this phrase, Son of Man, is very rare in the Old Testament. It's talking about this king who is going to come. God, the Ancient of Days, installs a kingdom to his representative king, the Son of Man. And yet Jesus used this phrase, the Son of Man, about himself every single time. He spoke. He said, The Son of Man, the Son of Man, he referred to himself as it because he was referring to this prophecy and saying, I'm that king, I'm the one who's come to bring in the kingdom, the rule, the reign of God. Now, Proverbs tells us, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, because when there is a good ruler, it flows down and everybody is blessed. When God was ruling in the Garden of Eden, The Garden of Eden was a beautiful place. But when Adam and Eve turned away from God as king and listened to the devil, suddenly thorns, thistles, briars, all all the pain and the death and the sadness came into the world. And God says, eventually, I'm going to restore my kingdom. At the end of time, I'm going to bring in my kingdom and my king again. Just before I get to how this applies to us, I want to just tell you that there is one more very interesting passage in Daniel where in chapter 9 he is given a prophecy about when this king will come. And in verse 24 it says 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty two weeks, that adds up to sixty nine. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city. And then it goes on to describe the end. Uh, And it talks about the Antichrist in verse 27. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now, those are picture words that he's using to describe. But basically, God gave Daniel a timeline. He said, from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem, there will be 69 weeks or 69 times 7, which is 483 years, and then Messiah will come. And then there will be this gap, and then the last seven... making it up to 70 weeks. That last seven years will happen when the Antichrist comes. He will make an agreement of peace. And then halfway through that last seven years, he will bring the abomination that causes desolation. He will stop sacrifices in the temple. And then at the end of that final seven, the end of the world will come when God brings everything to a close and the thousand years millennium is brought in. Now, that is the most amazingly accurate timeline, and you can study it. The command to rebuild Jerusalem was given. 483 years later, Jesus was here, and now we're in that in-between period, just before that last week, the end times, the last seven years of tribulation. We're in that in-between period. The 69 weeks have happened. Jesus came. Then there's this long gap. And you might say, why is there a long gap? And I'll explain it in a bit. And then the last seven years. Now, why is this all important? Because the kingdom of God was the message of Jesus. It was the whole theme that he and everybody else in the New Testament wanted us to understand. It's the idea that we are supposed to get. And this context of Daniel was very, very important. The Jews understood it. Jesus understood it. When he went about his ministry, he referred to himself and used the language of this. And we are now in that in-between period. And I want to just use one scripture to explain to you what that in-between period is. I hope I can just use one scripture. You may know me by now. I sometimes struggle to stick to just one. So Psalm 110. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, so who's the Lord? That's God, said to my Lord, that's talking about Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, Zion means Jerusalem, rule in the midst of your enemies. This is talking about that in-between period. Jesus sits at the right hand of God, He's done his job. He's overcome the devil. Do you remember just before he ascended to heaven? He said, all authority has now been given to me. I've won. I've taken back the rulership. In John 12, 31, Jesus, just before he was crucified, he said, now the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. Jesus had done it. He defeated the devil. He'd taken the keys of death and Hades. He had won the war, but it says, sit at my right hand until... I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Jerusalem, ruling in the midst of your enemies. There's this in-between period after Jesus has won the authority and the right to rule, where until the the last seven years of, of tribulation comes, his representatives, his army, his family, his people are extending his kingdom for him. I wonder if you've understood this. I wonder if you've realized that the kingdom of God was not just something from Daniel, not just something Jesus spoke about, but you and I are involved in it. We are extending the kingdom of God from Jerusalem, and that's why the Great Commission, he says, go from here into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses. Extend my kingdom. Go and make disciples. The, de, the 12 disciples thought he might mean a political kingdom. They thought he might mean, let's put presidents in place. And actually, he said, no, no, you don't understand. Be my witnesses. Get people saved. That's the kingdom. In John, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, I would have called, called soldiers. But my kingdom's not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. But when a person's heart is changed because they love Jesus and he is their king, It does affect every area of their lives, their ethics, their work, the way they treat other people, uh, the way they use their time and their money. Everything changes and righteousness starts to rule. And so there is a knock-on effect where the whole world is affected. But the kingdom of God, where Jesus is ruling and reigning, will not come until he comes back a second time. Not in complete authority. But now I just want to read on in Psalm 110. Verse 3, it says, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Friends, we're living in the day of his power. Jesus' death on the cross disarmed the devil, Colossians 2 tells us, took away his power. The devil no longer has authority. He can't legally hurt anyone. Jesus disarmed him, but Jesus has given the power to us. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go. He says, you go on my behalf. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Friends, we're living in that day, but God requires us to volunteer. You see, that's the beauty of a great king. He's not a a dictator who forces you to be part of his army. He's not a a ruler who wants robots, who will just do what he says. I've used this illustration before, but um, we have a vacuum cleaner machine at our house. And we use it to clean the floor when it's dirty, but we don't love that machine because it's just a robot that is doing what it was designed to do. But when I clean the floor, my wife is so super impressed with me because it happens so seldom. But there is a love because I chose to do it. God is saying, I don't want robots in my army. I'm not going to force you to get saved. I'm not going to force my will on the earth. I want volunteers. Your people will be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. There's this picture of these uh, these young soldiers. The other versions say your young men will come to you like the Jew. There's this picture of us waking up early in the morning and saying, Lord, I want to be holy. I want to serve you. I want to extend your kingdom. And we're like little glistening uh, beads of dew shining in the sun as the, as the dawn breaks. And we are the army that is extending his kingdom around the world. Isn't that amazing? All right. I said I would just use one more scripture. Let me close with 1 Corinthians 15. And it says in verse 25. For he must reign... Until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's quoting directly from Psalm 110. And it's talking about Jesus. Uh, Let me read verse 24. Then comes the end. Talking about the very end of time. When he delivers, when Jesus delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. You see, Jesus defeated the devil. But... The devil is still operating around the world through deception. He has no right to, but he lies and he manipulates and he tricks. And so Jesus is extending his kingdom through us. And it says the end will come when he delivers the kingdom back to God. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death the last enemy. There are a lot of enemies being destroyed. There is the enemy of racism that is being destroyed. It's not gone yet, but we're fighting it. There's the enemy of sickness that is being destroyed. There's the enemy of hatred, of jealousy, of greed, of lust, of pride. There are all these enemies that are being destroyed. There are demonic assignments that are trying to destroy people, and God is pushing them back. But we, as the volunteers, are participants in this. We're working with God. But the very last enemy will be death when there is no more death. And then Jesus hands the kingdom back to God. Now, the Great Commission is the summary of this. And the Great Commission is given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and various other places in the Bible, And Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nationalities. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's Matthew 28 18 and 19, and Mark chapter 16. And it's also in various other places. Go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. That is how we do the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus sent out his 12, and then he sent out the 70, and he said, Preach the gospel. Don't take along money and lots of clever plans with you. Trust me, you're my worker. I'll look after you. He says, when you go into a house, if there's a person of peace there who loves and wants to receive you, stay with them. Don't go from house to house. Stay with them for as long as you can. Build relationships. Tell them the kingdom of God is here and pray for healing and deliverance and teach them about the kingdom of God. That is the Great Commission. So how do you and I, do this? Well, first of all, I've got to say, am I in the kingdom of God? Is Jesus my king? Do I love him? Is he the ruler of my life? Or is he just a convenience, like a spare tire in the back of my car that I pull out when I have an emergency? Or is he actually driving the steering wheel? Which wheel is he in your car? Is he your Lord? Or is he just a backup plan? That's the first thing. And then I've got to say, Lord, let your kingdom come in every area of my life, rule over my, all of my thoughts, my emotions, every area. And then Lord, let me spread your love. Let me say to others, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and bring peace and bring justice and bring love and bring the message of Jesus' forgiveness and bring righteousness, install righteousness wherever you're in authority or you have influence. Say, so we're going to do things God's way. We're going to be generous. We're going to be righteous. We're going to have integrity. We're going to be honest. We're not going to talk badly about other people. And as we spread the kingdom, these little dots of dew, these little points of light spread more and more around the world. Do you remember he said that rock that breaks the feet of that statue will grow and grow and grow and grow. grow. In Isaiah, it says of the increase of his authority, there will be no end. It just keeps growing and growing, and growing. Now at Leading Lights, we are here to help you do that. I don't know what it is in your life that you can do for God, but God has a plan for you to be part of growing the kingdom of God. And when all of us, all around the world, are doing our part, then the end will come. When this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to every type of person, then the end will come. Look at our website, link up with us. We would love to help you. We have people who are doing small things and large things. We have people who who are doing unusual and creative things and we're praying with them. We're giving them materials. Our website is there to help you. But if we can help you in any way to extend God's kingdom, that's why we're here. Pray with me if you want to become part of this kingdom. Lord Jesus, I see that you lived and died, that you defeated the devil and that you now are the King, and that you paid for my sins. Lord, I have been the King in my own life, and I have sinned, and I'm sorry. I come to you, and I receive your forgiveness. I say, please forgive me of my sins, and please become the King of my life. I wanna be part of your kingdom, and I wanna serve you for the rest of my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.